Welcome back to Full Time with Meg Linehan. Again, we are back to weekly shows now following the Olympics. And this is, of course, still a show all about women's soccer on the Athletic Podcast Network. I am your host, Meg Linehan. I'm actually in Portland <laughs> for work. I am joined by Steph Young, also here in Portland. We are on site for the Women's International Champions Cup. Here in Portland, we have lived through the first game day between Barcelona and Lyon, and then Portland Thorns and Houston Dash. A couple of really good games. Plus, we're going to hit on some more Washington Spirit news. Also, a big NWSL trade this week. Since we're mostly talking about what's been going on, we are going to get right to it. But before we get to the rest of today's episode, as always, to show your support of full-time, plus get all of our women's soccer coverage and everything else The Athletic has to offer on our site and app, you can subscribe now at theathletic.com slash full-time. There's always an offer there, and it's always one of our best deals. We have not necessarily been writing a huge amount from Portland yet, but that's also because all of our interviews are Thursday and Friday. So we've got some stuff in the works. There's some stuff coming next week as well. So get that subscription in right now if you do not have one already. All right, here's Steph. We're actually able to just talk to each other in a room like real humans. Here we go. All right, Steph, we are both in Portland hovering around this microphone <laughs> just with our <laughs> face face in our hands. Um, let's start with Women's International Champions Cup since we were at Providence Park for quite some time yesterday to watch two games. Um, so this tournament means nothing. <laughs> right, it is. It goes to no results, no official tallies. But I forgot all that last night because it was so cool <laughs> seeing Leon and Barca play each other. Yeah. I was like, okay, it was all worth it, even if I it just this one game was cool. Um, and then go, switching from that to Thorns Dash, the traditional NWSL, like <laughs> <laughs> I just punched my hands at each other. If you can hear that little slapping sound, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm so, and now I'm like really, really curious to see the styles. We, mm-hmm. we can broad, broad stroke it, right? Cause you can kind of tell in general, a more possession focused team versus a, uh, a more physical transition focused team. And everybody talks about NWSL being a high transition league, which is fair. Um, it's just going to be f- kind of, I think it could be either be really fun or like really weird seeing those. So having... So also, disclaimer, I also do work for Relevant Sports Group, which is the group that runs Women's International Champions Cup. So from a, like, I won't speak to WICC as like a tournament thing, but from a, I've been at other ones. I didn't go to the first one in Miami, but I went to the 2019 edition in North Carolina, which had three European teams in North Carolina. So... That also, I mean, I think Lyon-Barcelona is also the best Europe versus Europe game that this tournament has ever gotten. Like, that that day <laughs> on Wednesday was arguably the highest quality we have seen at this tournament, which is also a little tough in terms of, you know, there there is not necessarily the FIFA infrastructure for clubs to kind of test each other across different regions. So we're using things like Women's International Champions Cup and the Women's Cup to pretend like we maybe have a gauge of this and there's never going to be a perfect solution but currently Lyon and Barcelona are in preseason Thorns and Dash are obviously not although missing a lot of players for 
for both teams. Um, the Olympians were watching from the field for penalty kicks, which was delightful because I got to watch how stressed out Christine Sinclair gets watching a penalty kick shootout that she has no control over, and it was delightful. Um, but, you know, it is kind of this interesting thing of, okay, we got Europe versus Europe, NWSL versus NWSL, so everyone's kind of on the same page there, and now we're getting Lyon versus Portland, and I'm just like, this is interesting, because also, when in previous tournaments, North Carolina just kind of North carolina their way through <laughs> most of it. So it was almost like they just did exactly what they are good at doing. I mean, Heather O'Reilly scored the game-winning goal over Lyon in that first tournament in Miami in 2018 in the eighth minute, and then they just North carolina on through. <laughs> I mean... So seeing this, it's like three out of the four games are probably guaranteed to be interesting. And then Thorns versus Houston, we get that all the time. Although that also was a little bit because Houston went for it. Houston did a full strength lineup. And meanwhile, Mark Parsons is rolling out the kids, which is really interesting Mm -hmm. because I think there's also some real understanding from Portland of, wow, we have how many games? Like, five games in two weeks, right? Like, mm-hmm. they have been they were the last to actually arrive in Portland for this week yep. because they were on the road. So they're dealing with the least amount of rest. And he goes young. Like, that's, that's also what traditionally uh, WICC has been because North Carolina, usually this tournament happened when either the World Cup was happening or friendlies were happening. So, like... Teams have had to rely on depth, whereas Houston, yeah, just kind of went, hello, here's Shea Groom. <laughs> it's, the, it's, it's the Challenge Cup vibe, though, where they're yeah. like, it doesn't matter if you think it's a nothing tournament or it's just a mm-hmm. schedule filler or whatever, we're going to go for it. And that's our thing. We're the Houston Dash and we yep. go for it. You know, you have it, to appreciate it, it. It, it made the game go to penalties. <laughs> and then we got those bonkers especially so christine sinclair it wasn't just that she had no control of the penalties i think it was her (laughs) watching that and especially coming out of the way that canada won the olympics (laughs) and then it's like i came back to the the league like leaving all that stress behind and you're telling me (laughs) the very first game i come back and watch a providence park i have to see this I mean, once again, it didn't count towards league results, which is something that I think we'll talk about shortly when we talk about Olivia Moultrie. But, um, you know, it's still penalties. Yeah. And there's still, I mean, I think, you know, what we have seen with Women's International Champions Cup, too, is I think the same would go for Women's Cup, which is happening in Louisville right at the same time. There is this sort of weird pride bragging rights on the line, mm-hmm. even if I think teams are willing to say, like, hey, we're in preseason, or hey, you know, we're, we're missing key players or whatever. Um, there is this sense of Europe doesn't really want to lose to themselves. <laughs> <laughs> and it was still doesn't want to lose to Europe either. Yeah. And they definitely don't want to lose to each other. Right. Uh, and some of those penalties, honestly, were not great, although that's kind of what you would expect out of something like this like it's yeah. not like they were preparing for yeah. the olympics yeah olympic penalties although once again the penalties at the end of the olympics were not great but you know what they'd just been running for like six games in a row and 100 percent humidity it's all different so, right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. It was really just where I... So for this tournament, I'm also doing the flash interviews on the field immediately following the game for, I think it's the international broadcast. So I've been 
on the field kind of like trapped behind (laughs) the benches for the last 15 minutes of each game. And so for me to watch the penalty kicks, I was actually kind of standing directly behind the Portland bench. So I was just holding my phone up, trying to film. So A, I had a slightly higher angle to maybe see if the penalty went in or not, but I was mostly judging every reaction by how Mark Parsons immediately either flipped out or kind of was just like, yes, all right, good, or all right, we got the next one. And so it was very funny to essentially like view it one step removed because the Portland bench was very, very hyped (laughs) during that penalty kick shootout. I would be too after three saves. Yeah. In a shootout. Like Shelby Hogan. We've said before in a shootout, a goalkeeper. You make maybe one save. Yeah. And you've done your job. Yep. Um, Once again, (laughs) some of these were not great penalties. I think the first one that Houston took, um, like, you put it exactly where a diving goalkeeper can get their hands, like, right in that space. Right. Stuff like that. And then Natalie Cuica had a um, not great. It was a real slow roller. Yeah. I mean, I just, I, I think, again a really good one-two punch of games and two obviously like very different experiences too because Leon Barcelona was kind of this wide open like it just felt like two teams kind of like punching each other back and forth the entire game I thought Endler had a really good game yeah or like had some really major saves like yeah. yes allowed two goals but also yeah there were some really impressive stops i think we saw like okay that's why she has the reputation she does (laughs) and you know maybe barca could have done some done better at finishing once again it's not mid-season for them they're not at their peak but endler was just like no 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 it was so cool (laughs) yeah yeah i think there is just also the fact that we're able to see these teams in person where like i think we've we've both watched a decent amount of Champions League or WSL or, or things like that. And there's something different about seeing it in person and actually being able to see the full field of play. And you're like, oh, oh. Yeah. That's real. They're good. Like, they're very good. <laughs> they're very good. Yeah. There's something about live soccer. I was also watching the broadcast of the Women's Cup at mm-hmm. the same time. I kind of had it playing in the background. Yeah. And whenever there was a break in play, I'd go look. And. Champions League is good because, you know, it has the high production value. But mm-hmm. switching from looking at this beautiful live-action soccer from the high angle yeah. to the potato cameras of NWSL, and, you know, this, like, really grim, dim, blurry broadcast, mm-hmm. I was like, you really are missing something trying to watch games this way. Yeah. And it's it's not getting across, like... The quality how, of the product, too. How quality, how fun, how vibrant the soccer is. Right. And... You know, I I think the league probably at some level hopefully understands for how focused Lisa Baird is on sponsorships, not to sidetrack into <laughs> commissioner talk, for how focused she is on, you know, sponsorships and stuff. Mm-hmm. Surely she must understand when the game looks like this, you can't go to a national sponsor and be like, your commercial could be associated with this product. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and it sounded like the, the ESPN broadcasts of the games from Portland... We're good. I know that, you know, we've talked about number of cameras on NWSL broadcast, but I think they had somewhere like in the, the territory of seven or nine cameras on this. So it, I think it felt 
a little bit more like a, a legitimate yeah. production. Yeah. So also having ESPN, yeah, it was ESPNU for the first game, mm-hmm. but ESPN2 for the other games, I think is also kind of, again, you get that look, it's mm-hmm. on television, it looks like television. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we had playback in the press box yeah. of the, the TV feed and it, it looked good. Yeah, you know. yeah. Um, all right, so just to look ahead to our Saturday matchups here, the real joy, I think, now is, I think a lot of us were hoping for Barcelona-Portland, but also now we get the subplot of, with Lyon versus Portland, Amandine Henri. <laughs> she said after the game in the mixed zone that, yes, she wanted to play Portland in this atmosphere in her like delightful French accent. Yes. Like, of course, I want to play Portland in this... <laughs> Yeah. yeah, yeah, she did the yeah. yeah I had she, her for the flash interview, and she was just like, "I, I am so excited to play Portland here." <laughs> yeah, and you know, she scored in front of the Rivers yeah. and everything, and I was like, "Okay, there's a little heartstring tug <laughs> happening." Yes. I mean, obviously, the other side had Ana Maria Sarnagorsevich, who was <laughs> understandably a little brusque after the game. Yes, where um, and someone was asking about the goal, and she's like, "No, I don't think about being happy about the goal. We're in the middle of the game. I, I just want to yeah. score and like keep it moving, pal." Right. Right. Yeah, I mean, I think Barcelona versus Houston is now a game where I'm just like, I don't know what that's going to look like, and I cannot wait. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing where we're like, ooh, the clashing styles here. Yeah. Um, Port- I think, you know, obviously we're probably going to get a much stronger Portland lineup for mm-hmm. Lyon. Um, that was part of the, the tournament management, you know, tournament, quote-unquote, two games. But, you know, you go... You, you get to kind of save legs for Charlie and, and Klingenberg and make, like all of these kind of bigger players and then kind of go for it on Saturday. And then what I'm kind of thinking is that the Olympians might not necessarily start, but right. then you get them <laughs> as yes. substitutes in the second half if something is happening. And I think that's going to be the really fun, <laughs> exciting yes. Interesting part Suddenly, of this. Suddenly, you got Crystal Dunn, Lindsay Horan, right. Christine Sinclair available, and it's like, oh, they've yeah, all Becky been Sauerbrunn, Becky Sauerbrunn, yeah. They've all been resting for a week or so, right? So, yeah, I think it should be some pretty entertaining games. I, I think that you know there is definitely. I remember in 2019, I was doing Women's International Champions Cup, like, directly following the World Cup, and I was just like, I am struggling, and this one feels so much more fun. Mm -hmm. And I think Portland really helps, too, just in Mm -hmm. terms of, you know, the Riveters were very... I Not necessarily, like, a record-setting crowd by any means in Portland last night, but when we went to penalty kicks, that, that building was loud. Yeah. I am interested a little bit in the whole Olympians thing because I just said they've been resting for, you know, a week or however long <laughs> since they've been back. Um, and for the Thorns, at least, they've also been able to rest in market. They don't have to travel to this tournament, which is really right. nice to them because I live here. Um, but we were talking to someone who had just who had been in Japan covering the Olympics, mm-hmm. and she came back, and she's like, my body is still having to adjust back from the time zone. Now, obviously, she's not a professional athlete, like, at the peak of her physical fitness. Right. But that is very interesting to me. Like, after something like that, how long does it truly take your body to recover? Yeah. And it's not just the flipping back to the time zones, but being asked to play once again at, you know, Universal Professional, playing against Lyon level. So I will be really, really interested to see how that manages 
how they manage those minutes. Yeah, so I talked to Rachel Daly for an interview, and I was kind of like, so how are you dealing with the jet lag? Because she's also, like, coming back to Houston and traveling here, and she was mm-hmm. just like, I, I'm still feeling it. Mm-hmm. So, and obviously her tournament wrapped up slightly before. Mm-hmm. Every, and it's just like, oh, yeah, like, it, I think it really does stick with you for a while. Again, both of us <laughs> did not go anywhere and struggled yeah. <laughs> mightily. So it is definitely going to be an interesting... Right. It's not yeah. even like France, which was only five hours or maybe like 10 hours ahead, if depending on what coast or whatever. Right. This was a full flip, full inversion, 13 hours ahead. Right. So... Yeah, we'll find out. Yeah, please rest. <laughs> I hope everyone gets their naps, truly. Um, all right, moving on to some other other realms here. Um, obviously, the Washington Spirit situation is still ongoing. Um, from last week's podcast slash reporting, there was the update from this weekend where Lisa Baird was in Houston with her um, adult-sized glass of wine and... <laughs> Washington Spirit owner Y. Michelle Kang at, at the game. Um, and now on, we're recording this on Thursday, the Washington Spirit also just announced that they have a front of Jersey sponsor for the rest of the year, which is IntelliBridge. Steph, if you would like to tell the folks who maybe didn't see this release what IntelliBridge is. Well, the Spirit release says IntelliBridge is a premier partner to Homeland Security, federal law enforcement, defense, and civilian agency customers. And (laughs) that doesn't sound great. And I think it's actually sparked this discussion because we just came off a call where Lisa Baird's like, yeah, our, um, you know, our core base of fans is young, uh, they're educated, they're diverse. But, you know, so it has people being like, this doesn't vibe with our core fans. But I also want to point out in that same call, Lisa Baird said our primary, um, you know, f- the the primary way they get income right now is tickets, yes. butts and seats. And so if you look at where they actually, where the teams actually get money is from ticket paying you know, fans or season ticket holders, consumers, people who can come to games. What is that demographic like? Right. Right. So I can see you have to consider it's not all just one pool. And the the teams are obviously going to look at, well, where does the money actually come from? And if it comes from people who are able to afford tickets and for a lot of markets able to afford to get to games, because we're still not at a point where, you know, the major stadiums are all easily accessible, and I don't think we necessarily will be just based on the realities of each market. When you look at that, especially for the spirit, who maybe still have more of a suburban, you know, middle class, upper middle class uh, a demographic actually coming to games and actually giving them money, you're like, okay, you can see how they would be like, yes, we have a core of maybe more liberal fans, but that those aren't the people who give us money. And so I think Andrew Vassell is maybe trying to see if they can balance best of both worlds, where they go to an, a national sponsor and they'd be like, look, we have this, you know, young demographic that you yeah. all Budweiser want so yeah. Yeah, yeah. That you want so badly. And each of the teams individually is like, and our demographic of paying fans are actually people who are okay 
being sponsored by, you know, a defense contractor. I mean, ultimately, no matter what, you're going to piss someone off, right? Trying to have trying to do this like have it both ways approach. And the real question is is how much do you and by you I mean the league, right? Like how much does the NWSL navigate that space of we expect players, teams, brands, the league itself to have this stance, right? Mm-hmm. That aligns, but also in theory, the fans who might be loudest about this are not necessarily the majority. Right. So there is a very uncomfortable space here to navigate. And the real question is, are they just making everyone mad <laughs> instead of trying to figure out what that sweet spot of we can go, <laughs> the line is here, no further, right? right. <laughs> and we can walk up to that line and maybe lose a couple people, but it, as soon as we hit that line, mm-hmm. then we've lost on both sides. And I just, I feel like right at the moment, they are trying to navigate that space with, I don't know how much data, but it feels like no compass in a storm. <laughs> yeah. And it feels like this is a question we grapple with constantly where, okay, if you have a young liberal or left um, not that the two are really synonymous, you know, mm-hmm. core group that is kind of grappling with, okay, maybe I have anti-capitalist sentiments, you know, I got my little socialist membership or whatever, and but then how do I engage with uh, an enterprise like sports that is entirely driven by capitalism? Yes. And specifically in the United States, capitalism that is entwined very heavily with our, like, imperialist kind of history and attitude and culture, which is what's playing out here, obviously. And then it makes me go back to, like, when you were really grilling for uh, Steve Baldwin Mm -hmm. for that article about the partnership with Cutter. Yep. And it's, like, it is hard to navigate that line. Sometimes it's easy to be like, oh, we should not do business with a place that practices, like, literal modern-day slavery. Right. Or at you know, at best indentured servitude, which is a horrible at best. Yeah. You know, that's not any kind of at best. It's just like bad and less bad. Right. Um, so, yeah, it, some some lines are clear and some aren't. I mean, for some people, this may be a very bright line. Right. That they're like, we, we absolutely can't. A, de- a defense contractor or somebody who works with, you know, who may be partnering with ICE or something like that. Yep. Yep. Yeah, and if you're a fan of the Washington Spirit, I, I definitely encourage you to make yourself known to the front office. Like, I'm your paying customer, and this doesn't sit well with me. Because once again, as we pointed out, they're trying to think of, like, their fan base. And they, they clearly think that partnering with these people is not going to lose them money. In fact, it's gaining them money. It's a front of shirt sponsor. And they're like, okay, maybe if people are dissatisfied with the sponsor, we'll lose like a dozen ticket holders or whatever, mm-hmm. a season ticket holders, but yeah, it's like more than like they make up for. There's a yeah, there's a um, acceptable yeah loss, right? Yeah, because they're getting front of sponsor, front of shirt sponsor money, and you know, for them, it boils down to the math basically of are we going to make more money than we lose? Right. So, I mean, it's just it's a very interesting time. For the Washington spirit, just across the board, right? Obviously, mm-hmm. the Richie Burke stuff, there is kind of this limbo right at the moment in terms of 
the as you you pointed out, um, Steve Baldwin's title has changed in media releases from the team. It's been flipping back and forth because in this one they call him managing partner Steve Baldwin, but this was probably a deal that was done a while ago, not necessarily now. Right. And then they've been calling him CEO and then, you know, managing partner in previous ones. So I don't know if that's just a language thing. Yeah. Or if it's an indication of like his role within the organization is shifting. I'm not sure. Yeah, it's it's obviously tough to know right at the moment. Um, but, you know, even going back to that long discussion that Pablo and I had with Steve Baldwin, the ambitions were to win now, right? And I think what we're also seeing kind of across the NWSL is that all of this off-the-field stuff is <laughs> happening and affecting performance, too. So there's that element to it as well. That is not necessarily a very, none of this is very tidy, period. It's, it's a question that's going to keep coming up as the league grows. As more money, more and more money enters the league. Yep. There's yep. going to be constant, ever-evolving questions around, you know, okay, we want the league to grow, but like, whose money are we willing to take? Right. Yeah. And it's not like there's no easy answer to that either. Sometimes there are easy yeah. answers. Once again, I go back to Cutter, and it's <laughs> yeah. like maybe a state that is like importing workers, taking all their documents and forcing them to build stadiums until they literally die is like that's an easy line to draw. But overall in our, you know, conversation, you know, um, what if this company has like uh, uh, unethical practices in other countries manufacturing their clothes and shoes. What if this company practices predatory loaning? You know, whatever. Um, any any big corporation at some point, mm-hmm. like you, you don't get into the billion or even million dollar realm without having done something icky in the name of capitalism. It's just kind of yeah. I mean, that's capitalism. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the capitalism pod that is full-time with Megalyn and It just, I mean, but that is just the inherent tension that is, I, we're never escaping that in this league. Like, yeah. it, you're just never escaping it. Yeah, you could come to the discussions that we have about racism and supporting black players and other players of color in this league and how, you know, there's larger questions there to be had about allyship and um, disentangling ourselves from racist structures, but how can we do that? Because once again, capitalism is very inherently tied up with with racist structures, especially in the United States. So it's it's a lot of heavy stuff to be dropping on you in one <laughs> podcast. Yeah. But you know what? If this spurs you to go read a book and maybe keep thinking about this and try to grapple with it. I mean, I will say Kavitha Davidson, who is our co-worker, at the athletic and and Jessica Luther, you know how to love sports when they don't love you back. Like mm-hmm. that is, this mm-hmm. is one of the conversations I had with them when they were doing their their kind of book launch stuff. Like I think that is a good introductory read to a lot of what we're talking about and just that sports. <laughs> and this is not an NWSL only problem, right? right? Like I stopped watching NFL because I was deeply uncomfortable with head injuries and just couldn't handle watching men use their bodies to eventually probably kill themselves in the long run. Like, I just, that was a thing that I stopped enjoying. 
So, mm-hmm. and I think part of it is, once again, Baird mentioned young user base, right? And something that we all go through when we're younger is trying to grapple with like what we're willing to accept in this world. And it's something that we all do where it's like, you can't make a 100% ethical decision. Life is too complicated for that. You know, you no, can't, we're going to get in a good place. I know exactly. <laughs> I was like, eventually it's someplace in the chain. Now something unethical may have happened and it's just, you can't live your life that way. You just have to like pick your battles and live your life the best way you can Maybe do like harm reduction or focus on restorative justice or whatever it is. And so I think that is something that a lot of people are trying to grapple with in like, well, I want to be able to draw these really clear black and white lines, but the more that I learn, the harder that is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I to circle us back around to the Washington spirit, when I had pulled up the tweet um, <laughs> announcing the partnership, Someone, uh, Danielle, had quote tweeted it with an image from Ted Lasso, since that was obviously a huge theme of a recent episode. And I, it just, it's, it's almost bizarre how we are <laughs> dealing with pretty much the exact same territory of that, yeah. that episode. And the difference being in a TV show... You get your nice, happy moment of... Right. And yeah. and we have yet to see how the rest of the season plays out, but, you know, in 30 minutes, they didn't have to go through all the fallout and complicated grappling, or sometimes even just on the, like, the financial survival side of the club. Yeah, that was my... <laughs> it was Marjorie was laughing at me because I kept having to pause the episode, and I was like, so... I won't necessarily spoil the episode, but I was just like, this would have huge financial ramifications <laughs> for this club. Rebecca would actually probably be losing her mind right now. Like, they they have contracts. They have sponsorship obligations. Mm-hmm. They have all of these things. Mm-hmm. And just, yeah, thinking about... And, and we are not a Ted Lasso podcast, though we could be. <laughs> um, yeah, it, I think it is setting up that plot line potentially since they had already talked about yeah. player contracts to so. be fair we are recording this before like the back half of the season after the christmas episode is yes. playing out so we shall see yes um all right one final topic for us reported this week um and it is now official that adriana french is going to kansas city um the trade is abby smith is heading from kansas city to portland Branch from Portland to Kansas City. There's also $150,000 in allocation money uh, in this for Portland as well, which that's a whole side conversation about allocation money values. And I'm so curious to see how also that $150,000 affects any potential negotiations between Louisville and Angel City for player rights, because now I feel like that trade has somehow forced the Angel City potential acquisition of Kristen Press as well, knowing that's on the line. I just, it has to play a role. Um, but let's talk about French and Casey and, and Abby Smith in Portland. Obviously, well, we, we saw Shelby Hogan also stepping up for Portland mm-hmm. in a big way last night. Um, but, I mean, I think one of our first reactions was Abby Smith with Nadine Unger. Feels like a Ugh. great, great win. Finally. Finally. I know I, like, 
hammer on this constantly, but Abby Smith feels like it's not quite a tragedy yet, but it just feels like the story of of missed potential for years and years and years. And I thought that first year that she had with Boston, I was like, okay, if she can like get someone who's willing to be in her corner and develop her, she's going to end up having maybe a good shot at even the national team development pool. Mm -hmm. And I should have focused more on that. If she can get someone in her (laughs) corner who can develop her. Yeah. Yeah. And she's another keeper or another player who has kind of just not had someone to properly train her and help point her and like advocate for her and, you know, get her set up with whatever network she needs. (sighs) But now I think with Nadine Angerer, you know, maybe she'll land in a good spot. The flip of this, French going to Kansas City, obviously a, a bit of a homecoming for her in Kansas City, or in Kansas. Um, and then I think also Kansas City gets, like, a franchise player, too, that they can, they, they can build around. Right. After they got rid of Amy Rodriguez, they waived Nicole Barnhart. And I'm not saying Nicole Barnhart was out here selling thousands of tickets, but she was, you know, a recognizable name, as was Amy Rodriguez. And now they are getting the current national team number two, who just did get some time in the Olympics. Uh, Yeah. And so now I think AD is going to be the face for the team, which Mm -hmm. is... That's great. That's great for both of them. Yeah. That's great. She's charming. Yeah, no, Frances Frances is a great interview. Like, I mean, I think you can build a franchise around her. A franchise? uh, (laughs) Yeah. An AD franchise? Yeah. Yeah. There we go. You're welcome. (laughs) All right. I think that's a good place to leave it. Um, Yeah. I mean, mostly I think I'm just honestly ready for Saturday's games. Yeah. (laughs) I didn't think I'd be this excited, but here I am. At some point, also, we, we probably should have just done an entire bonus episode of your um, entire world-building exercise around that one ICC women uh, illustration. Right. <laughs> or it, it should have been, like, when you were in and Rachel Daly reenacting that Robin, like, Robin Hood and Little John walking through the forest. Yeah. 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 That was the vibe. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Steph. Um, we will be in Portland through Saturday. So if you want more coverage and honestly hijinks from this time, we, we will be on social. All right. Thank you again to Steph, who also, I will say, brought me uh, coffee and a donut this morning as I was on the phone for work. Um, one more thing. Also, we did, we did manage to get to the Nike company store this week, which is always a dangerous thing. We went with our good friend, Sandra Herrera of CBS Sports. Uh, three people walked out of there with four bags. So, you know, we were slightly responsible, but I just want to also give a shout out to Amy at The Athletic who helped us, uh, make sure that we could get that very important Portland task done while we were here. Again, for all things full-time, you can visit fulltimepod.com. There are links for all of the major podcast platforms in one spot, plus all of the info on the podcast. You can subscribe to The Athletic and support all of our women's soccer coverage right now at theathletic.com slash full-time. One programming note, I am going on redacted slash the, the a V word that implies that I will be stepping away from devices next week so there will be no show next week i'm trying to not jinx myself though i know that 
there's some stuff <laughs> if I go on you know um, if I step away things happen so just be aware of that um, I think it will pan out my name is Meg Linehan, and you have been listening to Full Time with Meg Linehan. You can always find me on Twitter and Instagram at It's Meg Linehan and my work at The Athletic. Full Time does not exist without the work and support of senior podcast producer Michael Zimmerman. From The Athletic, I'm Meg. Thank you for listening, and I will be back with you in September. September.